yarn. So this is a yarn special. Yarn Story Podcast was nominated for the Best Podcast Award at the Independent Television Festival in Ravmonter. Yeah, John, it was very unexpected, I have to say. I didn't uh, really believe it when it happened, and uh, I still don't believe it now, having actually lived it. It all seems a bit surreal, the whole thing, but it happened, and uh, the following is an audio document that testifies to that. So let's take this opportunity to go back a week ago. Well, I've never been to Vermont before. This is my first time. Never been to Vermont before. It's gorgeous. The setting of this place is absolutely spectacular. It's like the most calm, most beautiful atmosphere to have. I've just loved being in Vermont. I think it's the perfect uh, backdrop to this beautiful festival. It's great to be able to do something this cool in an environment that's also this beautiful. So we flew to Hartford, Connecticut and rented a car and set off for Manchester, Vermont. I think it's all the way out that road to the right and then it's on the left somewhere. It's a road that goes up left somewhere. So we're going through the village? I think so. Drive on the right, drive on the right. It's lovely, I have to say, isn't it? It's yeah. very uh, colonial, post-colonial. American post-colonial. Yeah, we talked a lot of shite. We did. We're good at that. What's that there? That is the sound of the the drone of the car alarm telling us that the ABS system, or the ABS I should just say, or the AB system, is uh, malfunctioning and may not be operating to its optimum level and it's uh, you worried about that there no i'm not i'm not worried about it at all like i said john since we began this trip three three days ago the greatest threat to your safety in this car is my driving (laughs) (laughs) i like this this nice little drone is like a soundtrack to our trip yeah it is that would annoy some people there i don't really find it that annoying i'll be honest with you well at least we've got local radio to drown it out. Yeah. Why Sharona? We arrived in one piece anyway. On our first day at the festival, I think we went straight to the podcast lounge bit to meet Kevin. Uh, hi, I am Kevin Harrington. Welcome to ITV Fest 2018. This is the 13th installment of ITV Fest. And talking to some of our podcast submissions, this is the first year we've had any podcast submissions, and podcasts have become a growing new media, a real exciting way to tell stories and, and uh, share experiences. And I'm starting with uh, two new friends of mine. They have a wonderful <laughs> podcast called Yarn Story Podcast. And I'm joined today by John Roke and Dermot Tobin. So if you guys want to say hello and introduce yourselves. Then yeah. Hi, man. Hi. Thanks for having us, Kevin. And it's good. And this is oh, this is John. This is John. So since I realized like we're we're just we're just talking away, and I'm like, it's you an can't audio see medium. us. You, you should can't. know better. <laughs> so. uh, it's very nice to be in this lovely town. It's that we've literally just got here last night. So yeah. this is we just had one walk around this morning. And as you can tell by their accents, they're from Texas. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, North Texas. North Texas. <laughs> north, uh, northeast. Oh yeah. By uh, several oh, yeah, thousand by a long miles. Way. Yeah. Several thousand miles. And uh, also, I'm joined by. Uh, my name is Dermot, and uh, I'm here as well with Yarn Story Podcast. Uh, John is an old friend of mine. We actually uh, went to school to, with each other. This is a complete bonus for us to be here in Manchester, Vermont. Totally unexpected, and when we got the invite, we just had to had to accept. Yeah, so we were just like, why not? Let's uh, let's go. Let's yeah, go. well, it's awesome. I mean, uh, one, I think the great thing about podcasting, uh, you know, it's like a return to radio. You yeah. know, it's that theater of the mind when you're telling stories, particularly with your podcast, which is dedicated to storytelling, spinning the yeah. yarn, as yeah. it were, which really stuck out with me when I was reading the description, and it's awesome. You've got You've got great voices for narration and broadcasting and radio work, and not just because you've got awesome accents. Um, but that was just for they me. They are real. They are real, they, by the way. They are real. They are not putting on no airs for you guys. Uh, this, is, this is all very real. Um, but it was really enjoyable listening, um, going through the submissions uh, as I was helping uh, select our list of candidates for submissions to hear how diverse... The podcasts were uh, as well as how diverse the stories were but the voices and when I got to you guys you really stood out for me and I was like I really I just I need to talk to these guys I I really enjoyed listening to your your stories and um, you know as we start things out um, I would just like to hear more a little bit about you two tell us a little bit about how you met and maybe how you uh, got started we were talking a little bit about you know like theater and storytelling but I figure we could you know we sometimes we get into it when we're just hanging out before we do the podcast and we're like oh god we should save this yeah, yeah. so let's, let's not talk too much yeah let's like, not talk too gold. much let's yeah, not waste this the gold we're, we're just giving it away <laughs> so. uh, no me and Dur know each other since I'm gonna say 13 or 12 or something man wow. so we went to secondary school to like high school together get out yeah okay um, and then kind of went our separate ways after college and then I went my move to London for a while so I was working over there and then I moved back to Ireland uh, and then we met up again when like moved in together and now we've got our own little creative hub basically which is our gaff our house nice nice um, so that allows us to anytime we want to just record something it's not too fancy or anything it's just a back bedroom but it's uh, that's what great thing about podcasts you can yeah. just do it anywhere it's brilliant. you know it, it, it's, it's wonderful that's what I really like about I was talking to uh, a content creator who was up here, Joanna, who was really excited about the fact she's an actress, and she was saying that, you know, with podcasting, you really, it, it, you can just get your story out there, and it really, with a lot of the new technology, whether you're doing stuff for, like, YouTube or podcasting, it, it's really democratized yeah. the, the, the storytelling process, where you have a microphone and a friend yeah. and a script or you don't even sometimes you know don't have a script here if you're doing interviews or maybe you're doing like an improv storytelling you just kind of get out there and go mm -hmm. and it's that same freedom of you know free writing except for the ear and just real quick so i really dug some of the music and sound design mm -hmm. that you've used on your on your podcast could you tell us is that you or is that friends of yours or where did you how do you one where did you get this music and and uh like how did you select it for some of those stories? We've got well, I've got a I've got a good friend that I also used to live with as well when mm -hmm. we lived in London together, and he he's moved back to Dublin too. Uh -huh. um, that's the thing; like everyone seems to be moving back to Dublin now. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've heard. We had a bit of a 
financial crisis there a few years ago and a lot of people left. Oh, really? Um, I was one of them. And now people are just starting to come back. Like, like a lot of our friends are basically back now. It's, it's great. That's awesome. Um, but I met him over in London and he was just insanely into music. His name is Kieran Dumphy mm. and he goes by the name of Drembot on Twitter. But uh, he was like looking for an excuse to make some original music. And I was like, oh, man, right like this is just exactly what you talk, what you talked about. It's, mm. it's a great excuse to do something and, mm. and uh, get it out there. So he, I send him th- our stuff uh, and he just goes away and works on it. It's very much like, I just let him go. Like he, he's, he's mad into, he uses, he's mad into synthesizers and like digital kind of bass music. I think he wants to kind of get into a bit more of the, the acoustic stuff. So maybe the next couple of ones might have that in it. Um, but he's brilliant to work with because he just um, just goes for it, and then I get I get we get something back then a couple of weeks later, and it's like, yeah, it's great. So when he's doing the music, is it um, like you, Dermot? Like, have you done the stories, and you're like, here's 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 our story, or here's our play, and he kind of listens to it, and he composes for that, or is he has he come to you like with, I got a song, I've got something really kind of dreamlike or noir does this do anything for you or it, it you know i guess i'm curious it seems like this is a really kind of collaborative like fun inspirational thing so like how how does that work for you with you guys well as far as i understand with kieran um basically uh we took we overturn all the uh, sovereignty over the music to him <laughs> uh we don't get too involved um mm-hmm. Having worked with other musicians on previous podcasts before, I know that mm-hmm. was something that I was kind of keen on, allowing them their own creative space without mm-hmm. directing them too much because, you know, I'm not a musician, so right. I'm not going to tell them. I mean, I can give them ideas about ambience or mood, but uh-huh. it's really up to them. I should also add that one of the, the podcasts we made was about national anthems, and unfortunately, we can't give credit to Akira uh, <laughs> composing all those wonderful pieces of music. But um, yeah, no, I think we, uh, he has, uh, when he's involved, uh, which he has been quite a bit, um, I'd say he has pretty much maximum creative control. Would you say that, John? I would totally agree. Like he, he he adds an extra level to it, like you said, like the like the likes of like like Snap Judgment and all those like American style mm-hmm. podcasts that we're kind of obsessed nice. with. Um, that mo- like merges story with music, and he yeah. he's really into that. Like, yeah. I think his dream would be to score a movie. Yeah. Um, uh, but you can do this like right now like you that's said that's exactly yeah. the thing that's that's what's so great about this is the immediacy you have an idea you two in the in yeah. your house can go record and get that out there to your audience yeah. and then you know go to him Kieran and be like this is what we got and he can put the music it's so amazing that it's stripped of all of this extraneous things you can just get it out there and it sounds so rich mm-hmm. you just don't have the visual media but you're like we can do everything else yeah. And so I, you, you touched on some of your influences and that was actually a question I was going to ask uh, following up. So creating this, um, you know, creating yarn, what were some of the things that either podcasts or, you know, media, like what, what were the things that you, that fed you growing up or now that you were like, these are the things that were like, we really like and maybe kind of are you know we we can feel those elements in yarn or just you know what were some of those things that inspired you? uh when i when we when we started making these or when i started making them with john um 
he was doing his own thing on his kind of side, which he's he's got a, a quite a few more than than me in terms of being the guy who writes it. And then you know, I think we have twelve episodes in total on the podcast now. And nine of them would be attributable to you know his lead, and then three of them would be attributable attributable to my lead. But you know, we'd help each other out and kind of mm-hmm. advise and or whatever um, on either one. I mean, I always my creative. Um, Angle is always kind of conceptual. I, I, I really like concepts, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I always have, and you were talking about from what, from where does that come? Um, I don't know, like musically, I, I like, you know, conceptual music. I, I listen to classical music and I listen to, you know, progressive music, like, you know, Pink Floyd or something like that. And, you know, when I was listening to things like that in my early 20s, um, this whole idea of concept really kind of um hit home with me and it's something that i i i always anything on anything creative i seem to do always has a kind of a conceptual edge to it you know what i mean that sounds mm-hmm. incredibly pretentious but uh there you go no 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 <laughs> i like it um you you've 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 referenced a really great band that that listening to you guys made me think of like when i think of pink floyd i think of this kind of dreamlike ambient music that like there's a real story behind their songs and not just obviously concept albums like The Wall. Um, I think not a lot of bands do storytelling like with an album like I think was very much of that era or traditionally with music. It's like we have an album and each track is telling some sort of story and it's cool that you talk about them as, a, as, as influences because I hear that in your podcast that you know the music itself there's, there's some thought to that that like it's got that dreamlike or sometimes almost kind of film noir sounding. It really, it, you know, there's there's some really cool things that are going that are playing with you guys. Um, that just everything just accompanies each other very well. And, and I think something before I turn over to John on this, I think that's something common to both our, um, you know, both our styles on Yarn is we uh, are, are we write about what we know about ourselves mm-hmm. normally inspired by direct experience you know mm-hmm. um, stuff that has happened to us I suppose and I think that's in uh, that that's very much in that uh, spirit as well it's it's uh, for me it's conceptual but it's also driven a lot about what I was interested in growing up you know mm-hmm. a lot of my uh, work on yarn is kind of historically based and there's a lot of in- inspiration from history and stuff and you know that's uh, always something that uh, I've been interested in uh, so yeah I, I mean I really struggle to define exactly what it is mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing there but I, I know I really enjoy it and uh, yeah I think uh, I think uh, I think it's understood. I think it's coming across. So that's all I'm worried about, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think that's fascinating. And I, I was just curious about that, you know, mining personal experiences to kind of transform into art. How, when you're, like, could you maybe give us an example? I know uh, later on uh, here, we're going to get a sample of, of, yeah, of, sure. of some of your stories. But could you maybe tell us about, like, when you're transforming these stories, do you, do you feel that they're, how much do you change like obviously kind of a name change and it's like this story was great but this and this was very personal or is it kind of like inspired and or you know stuff that you had heard because I that just I, lo- I love it because I feel like everything comes back to the name and and a really good naming of your podcast because it's dedicated to storytelling and kind of the inspiration and how these these stories weave together and inspire to create something 
I think it could go, kind of just to answer that cause, uh, it kind of goes back to uh, also a little bit about inspirations or what mm-hmm. got us into this in the first place and I was I was uh, obsessed with uh, David Sedaris for a while oh okay. I love him yeah. yeah so there's this he has like a weekly program on BBC Radio 4 I don't yeah know um, where he pretty much just reads out his stories. Yeah. But he's so good at reading them out. Oh, yeah. He, like, it's like he's acting them out. It's just brilliant. It, absolutely. Have you, uh, that just makes me think of, have you ever read or seen The Santa Land Diaries? No, no. What's this? You, if you like David Sedaris, yeah. uh, and I recommend this to anyone that's listening, he has a great story, a great book called The Santa Land Diaries when he was working at, like, I believe, a Macy's okay. uh, for the holidays as an elf. Yeah. And it's been adapted into a play. And, you know, listening to him do his essays or do his stories, very much you think uh, their sound, his word, and and obviously if he's reading it, it becomes very performative. It just sounds like it should be a play. And I think, like, listening to you guys, like, your stories, and, and yeah, obviously when things are narrated or or spoken, it just feels more like that. But I think there's, there's an essence in your stories that you share with your podcast that just really have that theatricality to it that that do remind yeah. me of David Sedaris which you know he so that's he's like him uh, got me kind of thinking uh, you know what I could we could do that like yeah. it's not like it's and I probably I've only started writing in the last year like oh really only and then there's one thought of it like you mentioned this earlier as well of like okay someone wants to make a movie oh man you got to get all these things together you got to do this but I mean I was just like, oh, I can write a story. And then I was like, there's a story written. I could stop there. Or you could just read out the story. Yeah. And it's like, that's what David Sedaris does. And he like gives it an extra level straight away. And I actually prefer to experience stories by listening to them rather than reading short stories. I'd, I'd read a novel, mm-hmm. but I'd rather re- listen to someone read a short story out loud than read one myself. So I was oh, like, yeah. but so then it basically became like, that's how these should be designed. And I think almost, because I've read some of David Sedaris' books, but I'm almost like, I just miss his voice. I'd rather yeah. not speak it. Another person like that is like John Ronson. He was another. John Ronson, he wrote um, The Men Who Stare at Goats and The, oh, Psych- and the Psychopath yeah. Test. Yeah. One of the, Men Who Stare at Goats has been a movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, with George Clooney in it. Yeah, yeah. Does mad stuff. <laughs> he's like, he's a, like a, a gonzo journalist, you might call him. Or, oh, yeah. Where he just goes in, gets himself into trouble yeah. and writes about it. That's awesome. Um, but his delivery is just brilliant. It's uh-huh. just, he's so good at controlling his voice. And he uses repetition really well. So he'll just say the same word over and over again. But it will, like, it means way more, I think, when it's spoken than when it's written. Absolutely. Um, so he's, like, number two inspiration. I was like, man, these guys are... I could do that. That's cool. My story is not not going to be as good as them, but like I like what they, I like their sure. the way they're doing it. Right, right, right. And the thing with David Sedaris is, they're all personal stories. It takes a little twist on them somehow. Yeah. And I would kind of wager that maybe they're seventy five percent true, and mm-hmm. he just kind of. Um, so that's kind of where the name, Yarn, originally came from. That maybe it's not a hundred percent true, uh-huh. but, but I think it's take taken on another little angle now where it's like the weaving thing like you were saying as well yeah, it's yeah. like unraveling something True. so Dermot's kind of style is more documentarian than uh-huh. than mine so I think when it comes to yarn for his kind of stuff you can speak for yourself with this but I think it's more about unraveling things so that's yeah it, it, I got the almost like you're playing the detective like you're you're going back and you're doing the research and I and I love 
that you have you're both passionate about storytelling but you have these unique things about storytelling whether it's chronicling the history with Dermot or, or you know sharing maybe more of a personal yeah. narrative it's such a cool thing that comes together that makes a much richer idea overall because you can have that historical grounding and like listening to you or and just the the it, it clear it's clear that you you know when you're pulling these things out the the research going into it it's just it's fun like it's 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 a, it's a fascinating process like history it's interesting you know story is right there yeah. in it but also you know sometimes a lot of those tales get lost so you have to play you know i had a teacher that said you know it's like playing detective and it's like figuring out and you know what you're saying with like a david sedaris story you know maybe 75 percent of that is yeah. is the truth yeah but 25 percent of that is but that's also the kind of that's the thing that makes it interesting is we have to find a way there's like we have to you know gonzo journalists mm-hmm. they're in it so some of that's going to be a little biased by their perspective but that's what makes it fascinating yeah. and that's what makes it their own so why, why don't you tell us a little bit more about um getting into like you know since you're the historian uh, as it were, this, I, that's what I call him. Yeah, I know. I've been reading the email, the historian. Um, wait, tell us a little bit about what got you interested, and you know, feel free to talk. Tell us a little bit about what you studied, maybe as a kid, or we can go back uh, later after we do um, the piece yeah. uh, for you, and we can talk a little bit about growing up. But uh, I'm curious about your influences with history. Why? Uh, what? What created the fascination for you? I think the way you've described it there actually is probably the best description I've heard so far of like playing the detective and unraveling the story and and uh, that meshed with my own personal experience because that, that really is what I'm trying to do I suppose I, I, I I've always been interested in history since as far back as I can remember mm-hmm. not only Irish history but all history really mm-hmm. um, up you know our history of the the 20th century especially um, and I suppose it's always been a place that I've gone to. I've, I always end up back in a, you know, I'm, I always find myself interested and stimulated by historical uh, study. I mean, any time I go to a new place, um, you know, on holiday, for example, I, one of the first things I'm doing without even consciously thinking is like, where did all this come from? Why? Why? Why is their flag that color? Who is that guy who, who the street is named after? You know what uh-huh. I mean? This kind of stuff. It's just kind of a, a natural curiosity I have about the past uh, of places. Um, so, I mean, that's from childhood, really, uh, onwards. I, and I did uh, study history at university. Um, but I don't know. I think maybe I lost my confidence academically a bit when I was actually studying history for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though the academic route in history would have probably been one that I was kind of gearing towards, for some reason I, I just didn't um, it didn't follow it, you know, uh, to the same extent. And history remained as I, uh, you know, as I went through my twenties, history remained more of a hobby than a. Uh, job or anything like that you know now having said that when I was in my uh, later 20s I did get into actually tour guiding you know I tour, I tour guided for a number of years up until very recently oh, really? and I think that's really where I um, you know overcame a lot of my own kind of maybe shyness about, about yeah. putting myself out there about you know being confident enough to talk about history and and realize that god this is actually something that I'm quite good at you know what I mean right and, 
and um, and you had to write your own speech as well, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. When I was tour guiding, it was it, it was kind of our own. Uh, it was our own. You know, it was a interpretation of a historical site, but it, we did it uh, not completely, but uh, quite a bit with our own. Uh, you know, freedom to interpret it in our own way. And I think with that, I really developed taste for uh, explaining history. You know, so many people have said to me, "God." You, you should be a teacher, but I was like, I don't know, I want, to, I want to be a teacher, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know for what for whatever reason. So, but I've always had this yearning to 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 be engaging with history and to yeah. explain it as well. So, I mean, this is the perfect uh, medium for me right now. And I think as well, I have to stress that you know, in academic history, it's such a strict world about yeah. you know you talk about the facts and you leave everything else out, and that's the way you know academic history should be. But this isn't academic history. This is my own kind of personal experience of history. Mm-hmm. And I think a podcast is is the most appropriate uh, medium for delivering it and, you know, allowing me to express uh, myself and how, you know, for want of a better term, for how I feel about the history. Absolutely. Because that's, cause that's yeah. actually quite uh, important as well. Because it actually is tied up in, in, like you say, in our direct experience as well and how right. you, you discovered it. And it brings yeah. back a lot of you know recollections from from childhood and from earlier in life about where you were when you learned about this you know that kind right, of thing right it's a it can be it can be quite uh, powerful in a sense and it'd be it's a, quite a nice place to go to it's kind sure. of a safe place almost yeah. you know yeah um even though what you're talking about sometimes are you know terrible things atrocities or oh, people dying you know because history is a bleak story you it, know? Is, it is um so camp. that's yeah that's how i feel about history yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love history yeah the idea yeah. of history so so tell me a little bit more about this i i love this that you're you're a tour guide because i think that's one of those this i think this is kind of the natural evolution of that like you are going from the scholar you love history you get you like sharing it with people you become the tour guide and i and there is a lot of you know teaching in that but it's so performative. It's being an actor that is sharing history with an audience. And this is cool because this is the next step where you can you can refine that and give that out to an audience. So um, where were you uh, doing the tours? Are you doing those in Dublin? Or are you, is well, there a particular history or area that you're... I was full-time employed by the state in Ireland at their historical sites, at a, a couple of their historical sites. That's uh, awesome. Uh, one in particular. Uh, in... Give, give them a name drop. There. I yeah, will. Before. I'm going to say... Give us a name drop. I worked, at, I worked at Kilmainham Jail in Dublin, which is one of Ireland's you know premier heritage sites. Oh, and cool. it's, uh, it's It's most famous for being... Uh, the site where leaders of the 1916 Rising Easter were executed uprising. by the British, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. So, right. um, working there and previously to that in uh, in the castle of our hometown, we're actually from Kilkenny in the southeast. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so that kind of you know going in there gave me a huge amount of material to engage with, and also gave me the space to be able to to find my voice as well as mm-hmm. a storyteller. Um, a storyteller who stuck to the facts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, so. Kil- yeah, Kilmainham Jail is probably well. Kilmainham Jail is the best heritage site in Ireland, no? Because it's just the, the the history is so amazing, it's so dramatic. You know what I mean? So other heritage there. sites are available. Oh, other not, heritage sites are available, and you should visit them all. But yeah. Kilmainham Jail is the best. Um, so, real quick for me, and maybe for some of our listeners, now that jail obviously charged with is was that predominantly you know for people that don't know about the struggle uh you know ireland for 
800 years being dominated by uh, foreign power. Was that a jail established by the British for maybe political dissidents? Was that more of a... It, yeah. Or did it be, did it come to that maybe during during revolutionary period? So yeah, it, it's uh, essentially being basic. It was built by uh, the the British state in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very complex. The different layers, I, you I know. Imagine. I mean, Ireland actually had its own government when the jail was built, but it was basically a puppet parliament installed by the British. You know, yeah. to 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 preserve their interest in Ireland. So that's when the jail was built. But there, soon after, Ireland became completely a part of the United Kingdom. The jail itself was actually just an ordinary jail. It was built for the, the common criminal, as it were, and the vast mm-hmm. majority of people who went through it were just that. Um, but, you know, you could look at them almost as an extension of, of uh, you know, Britain's uh, colonial rule in Ireland mm-hmm. as well, because, you know, m- much of uh, Ireland's poverty and all that was was directly related to to colonial rule you know so mm. but then um in the there had there had always been a tradition if you like at the jail um of political prisoners people who had been involved in political movements against british rule are essentially irish nationalists or mm-hmm. later as they become known irish republicans um it's really in the 20th century when that really uh, becomes most Notable, especially as we've already mentioned with the Easter Rising in 1916, which is this kind of iconic moment in right. in modern Irish history when there's a rebellion, a small rebellion, uh, in the middle of Dublin, led by a group of uh, Irish Republicans, um, and the British reaction to that, uh, particularly the execution of the leaders at Kilmainham Jail, kind of stoked um, the flames of Irish nationalism in the or- in the ordinary population, so that they became much more resistant and much less tolerant of British rule, which basically leads to Ireland becoming partially independent in the mm-hmm. 1920s. And this state that we live in now, myself and John, is, you know, is descended from that. So it's it's very, very uh, important. But, you know, Irish history is it's by no means over. You know what I mean? It's That's, still yeah. this is still very ongoing, especially with everything that's going on in uh, in Europe at the moment with Britain leaving the EU, the whole question of the North and, and all that. So it's it's a living history, you know what right. I mean? Um, and that's how I looked at it when I worked there as well. Uh, but as you can see, you could keep going about this. And you see, could, yeah. he flipped into full tour guide mode. Yeah, right? you, you did. Noticed. You really did. And, and I feel like we're... Maybe just, I should just go back to being a tour guide. Yeah, no, it's great because I feel like, you know, everything is connected because like we're listening right here. It's about unpacking these details in history unraveling, if you will, um, some of the story to look at it, because particularly in something like Irish history, where you have, like you said, England comes in, establishes a government for their, catering to their whims and interests, and how that, you know, what is the history on paper that's like, oh, and this parliament was founded, but you don't get the extra story. You don't get the backstory that is, this was a puppet government. You know, what is the perspective of the people that are actually there? And that's what's fascinating about, you know, we joking, stepping into tour guide mode, but you are playing detective because people that might be outside of that source, people that aren't intimately connected to Irish history don't know. They're just like, oh, well, then there was this revolution. Well, why? And it's just like, there's so much more to it, you know? And, and I love that you brought that up. History is living all the time Mm -hmm. and you know like in america we we you know we have uh we have 
difficult historical events ourselves that we are guilty of, you know, the, the people that were here first. And now we kind of rediscover the truth of, mm -hmm. oh, it wasn't just we moved out west and we founded a town and everybody loved it. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of struggle and a lot of things that, you know, whoever has those stories orally passes on until they're recorded, you know, it, that's when it gets codified, you know, codified or it gets, you know, it's always alive. There can be, somebody can go back and reinterpret these texts and be like, well, actually, yeah. this is, this is, this is what happened. This is, you know, we're hearing this. And so this is, you know, the truth is something that is constantly being mined and refined. I think that's a really good point because there's like, there's, uh, any of the history that's already been written down is from a certain angle. And yeah. it's always like, this is the stuff we chose to remember. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Um, but then to do any new stuff, you just have to go back in, exactly like you said, and reevaluate stuff. Like we, in Ireland, we seem to, we're obsessed with the 1916 Rising. We talk about it. Any building you ever go to in Ireland, especially if you go to Dublin on a visit, mm -hmm. you will hear about 1916 everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. um, then there, but there are some parts of Irish history we don't really talk about. Like mm -hmm. We don't really talk about the Irish Civil War very uh, often yeah, you can yeah. understand why even even now years and years after it yeah. because no one talked about it directly after it so there's nothing there's not as much to pass down so right. it takes proper historians to actually look back and find out what that was mm -hmm. and not be afraid to find stuff they might not like 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 the like, same with American history, right? Because sometimes it's it's that bitter pill to swallow that oh we weren't the good guys yeah. we weren't uh, the heroic noble people championing this cause of freedom around the world yeah uh, because yeah that's a nice sentiment to write down in stone and be like what a glorious thing that these middle aged to older white men yeah. came up with that had yeah. property. Because yeah. they were the, all men being yeah. created equal when that came out. Um, and eventually that struggle we hope and we push to be more inclusive. But even now, that, particularly in America where politics are very charged now, it yeah. seems like we're regressing in a, into a kind of a dark place. So like you said, history is very much alive and that struggle can go either way. Whoever decides to write these things down generations later are like, Oh, well, this is what happened. But yeah. if somebody doesn't have another perspective, and somewhere between this perspective and that perspective is the truth, you know, a liberal view, a conservative view, you're because everybody is 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 telling their truth, and their truth might be right for them, but mm -hmm. for the outside observer, you need to get generally both sides to kind of complete that. Okay, we're back. We have our scripts out, and. Um, we're actually going to go back to John and oh, talk, yeah. talk a little bit about you so we can give an introduction because the piece that we're going to be doing is more of the on the fiction side yeah. versus uh, historical. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of, you know, Dermot gave us a great background about, you know, history and working with the tour guide. Yeah. Maybe some of your yeah. your story, your yarn. Yeah, I think that the one thing about that our podcast is that it, it's very much... It's like a playground. It's very much just the two of it. You can you can you can tell, but like there's yeah. no particular format to it. We don't have the same size length mm -hmm. every time. Completely different styles the whole time. We're just playing around the whole time, and it's because uh, it's a podcast. We're just allowed to do that. It's almost mm -hmm. like we can do whatever we want, and eventually we might stick on a style that works, or we might not. We'll just keep on experimenting. Right. Um. So I think my background comes from I trained as a graphic designer um, in Dublin mm -hmm. and that's like what I was what I always thought I would do I was like yeah this is and yeah 
Um, and I loved it. I was obsessed with it. It was brilliant. I did work when I was a teenager. I worked in like a youth filmmaking kind of group every summer. So I loved that too. Nice. Um, but then, yeah, then I moved to London and was working as a graphic designer. Worked with lots of big companies there. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, and then I was like, I used to kind of like writing writing essays and stuff. I remember when we were in school, like we always wrote kind of English essays. Um, and uh, I think in London I was just, because it's a big, big city, sometimes you get a bit lonely, you get a bit bored or whatever. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I was just like walking around one day and I bought a big refill pad and I was just like, I might just start writing something down, you know, just for the laugh to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was listening the whole time. I'm listening to people like David Sedaris and all those guys talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I could just read this out because that's how I want to consume this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where it came from. I just loved it. It was brilliant. A lot of my stories are, like, they're quite personal because... I'm a le- I'm a very lazy researcher, basically. Uh, I'm not Which is like good that you've got the historian with you <laughs> yeah. to balance out. So. <laughs> so, as a way of being a lazy researcher, I just uh, go right back into my own past and kind of go, what can I mine from this and just make it interesting? Um, so I look at that and then I look at it like from a point of view of, well, it's a unique story because it's mine and I'm the, I'm the only one who could tell it because I'm the only one who experienced it in that mm-hmm. exact way. Um, so... I was also, I just love being in the pub, basically. And after about three beers, you just start telling a story. It's like Irish culture. That's kind mm-hmm. of basically how it works. And we're always always telling each other stories. Like, mm-hmm. we, we turn, like, an incident that happened to someone last week into this big thing. And we love the reaction we get off people's faces when we're telling them in the pub. Right, right, right. Um, so that's how my stories basically came from that. Uh-huh. Um, this one here is called... Uh, Brick Lane, and it's um, I used to, when I was living in London, I lived on the street. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brick Lane in East I London. Heard of it. Um, very interesting place. You'll see how interesting it is in a second. <laughs> uh, but I used to work literally around the corner, and I where I lived was five minutes down the road, so I had no commute. Basically, I was just out. That's Six awesome. minutes later, I'm in my job Damn. for a graphic design agency. Um, but that street, anything could happen on that street. It was mad place like oh, wow. mixture of tourists uh-huh. drunk people on the weekends it got crazy markets oh, yeah. um a lot of homeless people oh yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of duckers and divers a lot of like duckers and divers that's a great term what is what would you say that is like i would say how would you describe that criminals uh, I, I don't know i think you can see now john is it's going like i was going into tour guide mode he's going into full storytelling mode here yeah well, I just, I that, just love that term this is the, thing, this is the thing that I love about language we all speak the same language yeah. we all speak English but like an asterisk but there's certain turns of phrase and words that we don't have here that you all have that I just think are beautiful and poetic like duckers and divers just just the alliteration with yeah. that uh, that I just think there's a great rhythm and cadence in in Irish English or British English uh, that I just so if you could just for the benefit of us I love that term duckers I, and divers I think it actually just thinking about it now I think it comes from someone who's kind of ducking and diving from the law or, or like that's such someone's an awesome around. expression yeah. that's such a great term so just kind of like thugs a street I would say it's just kind of like people are trying to trying to get the better of you I would say oh okay, so okay. Chance, hustlers hus- yeah like we also have a a saying, maybe you have it here as well, chance in their arm. People who just chance their arm. Chance in their arm. Chance in your arm. <laughs> it means like, it means just like, 
trying to get in there, you know, trying to get something off of someone for nothing. So your chance, you should give it a chance. You chance your arm, you know. Well, just oh, that's awesome. Is that kind of like a reference? I wonder if this is that old historical, um, the Boca Verita in Rome. There's this base relief sculpture. It's supposed to be the mouth of Poseidon, and you hold your fist in there when you swear an oath. Ah. And the idea is, if you're if you're false, your hand will be bitten off, yeah. and you're like, "May Poseidon take my hand." Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I bet you that is where it comes that from. Probably, be, yeah. yeah. There's probably yeah. All, a lot of these terms. So that would be a very Irish thing. I'm sure they say it in England as well. Chance on my arm. Probably. Yeah, I just love that. Uh, that is such a great expression. Yeah. Chance in your arm. Yeah. Or is it maybe just kind of like a pick in a pocket? You're pickpocketing, yeah. and maybe you might get caught. You might I mean, get caught. It. You might literally you might get yeah. caught. So yeah. you're chance yeah. in your chance arm. In your arm. Gonna, that is such a great expression. Um, chance in your arm. Just a quick interlude, we actually know where the phrase chancing your arm comes from, and Dur's going to tell you about it now. Yes, Sean, I do. I only found out just today, uh, and I should have known, but the phrase chancing the arm comes from a medieval dispute between two powerful Anglo-Norman families in Ireland, the Butlers of Ormond from our native Kilkenny and the Fitzgeralds of Kildare. They were both vying, as per usual, uh, for the position of uh, Lord Deputy in Ireland, because they were the kind of always the top dogs. Um, Lord Deputy to the English for for the for the English Crown, basically, and they couldn't work it out, so they arranged to have a pitch battle, which was pretty common back in those days. They pitch, race, pitch battle. Pitch battle is like an organized battle where uh-huh. you say you be there and we'll be there. Like and a duel. Or yeah, like it used to be the way battles were run, like back in. Oh, you get all your people together, and then they get all their people together, and then you meet. It's kind of agreed that you'll have a battle, like behind you know the bike I mean? sheds, as opposed to where, where by now a battle just happens wherever the two sides kind yeah. of you know right. confront each other. But um, pitch battles were more organised, more kind of gentlemanly warfare. So anyway, that was uh, outside Dublin um, in the year fourteen ninety two. The Fitzgeralds of Kildare got the better of the butlers, apparently, in this battle, to the point that the butlers um, retreated into Dublin City and took refuge in St. Patrick's Cathedral as a sanctuary. And um, anyway, uh, Gerald Fitzgerald, Earl of Kildare, I'm sure he was, um, shows up and he says, Listen, butlers, it's grand... The battle is over. We won, so you don't have to hide out in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Come on out and we'll forget all about it and we'll have a drink or something to that effect. (laughs) And the butlers were like, "Uh, we're not that thick. We know that, you know, if the situation was reverse, we'd probably cut your head off and send it to the king in an earthenware jar, like they often did. Uh, But um, so the butlers weren't taking him on his word, basically. Uh, so for some reason then um, it was the decision was arrived at to cut a hole in the door of St. Patrick's Cathedral so that Gerald Fitzgerald could actually offer his hand uh, you know uh, in peace you were going to say in marriage (laughs) (laughs) Uh, offer his hand in peace to the the butlers I don't know was the Earl of Ormond there himself anyway that's not important um and uh, so in a sense when when Fitzgerald put his hand through the door it was a very risky thing to do because a butler could have taken his oh. arm off with a sword so he you was, could say he was 
chancing his arm. Oh. Apparently that's where it comes from. So there you go, Kevin, if you ever listen to this later. <laughs> if you ever went on a tour of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, I'm sure they would tell you that. And I never did go on a, on a tour of St. Patrick's Cathedral, so that's why I don't didn't know until today. That's great. And thanks to my friend Jane for telling me that. Maybe you should have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Murphy. Jane Pearson is the reason I know this. And then we call people who do that, we call them chancers. Chancers. Well. So they're just like, Lord, you're just a bit of a chancer, are you? Like see, that's, see that's what I love. It's like there's a phrase, but then even kind of abbreviating that yeah. down to yeah. a chancer. Yeah. And there's like a story behind that nickname. That's so cool. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that. I'm that's just like, smart. that's fascinating. I want to hear that. So that's the, that's the world these guys live in on the street that I always to walk out of my house and I see this every day. And the mad thing about it is I walk out and it's like you're running a gauntlet every day. These same people. <laughs> and they're homeless people, or maybe they're not. You don't really know. It's all very ambiguous. Yeah. There are people on the street who are uh, trying to get you to go into their restaurant. You probably have that kind of thing here as yeah. well. And they're always trying to give you a good deal. There's street sellers trying to... Constantly, you're just running this gauntlet and you're trying to get through. Mm-hmm. And if you show any sign of weakness, they've got you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, that's what it felt like every day walking down the street mm-hmm. and even if you're like man like it's okay if you're a tourist but I literally live on the street I do the same walk every single day you know me like I'm yeah, not yeah. going to go into your restaurant <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have a Tesco bag I have a shop from a I have a bag from a shopping market like, that's my lunch I'm not going to go in but they yeah, yeah. but they just they just go for it anyway you might we'll give it a go right, right. Um, and the stories that they tell to get money off you or to get something off you they're kind of geniuses in themselves, the uh-huh. kind of things they come up with, which we'll probably, you see in the, this yeah, yeah. Um Other thing, kind of a way about how, how this was written was, I think I started off writing it as similar enough to the other stories where you just go, oh, I got up and I started walking down and you start describing things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, I'd love to kind of almost do this in real time, what it feels like to walk down the street. Oh, brilliant. Um, and that's where the music comes into this as well. We don't have the music today, mm-hmm. um, but that's where Kieran's music comes into it as well. It's right, yeah. Boom, I feel like boom, boom, listening boom. to some of the stories, it gives it that, that great rhythm yeah. that feels, like you said, yeah. like you're in the moment or in um, real time. So this story is kind of about, probably I'm not going to do it justice live you now, but it'll give you a flavour of, it's just a feeling of walking down the street going like, I do this plod, plod, plod every day. And I'm just, you can imagine me, as you hear this, you can imagine me looking left, looking right. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm seeing. And this is what people are saying to me. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like my internal monologue of what's going on. I love it. Um, yeah, so that's, All right. it's called Brick Lane. Brick Lane, let's hear it. Okay. Okay. I'm walking out of work with a tipsy smirk. Four free beers and one I had to ditch. It's compensation for staying late on a pitch. That's why we stay after on Friday in spite of rain. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Thanks, Thank you for coming in and sharing your story. And if you're listening, you want to hear more of these, these yarns, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you guys need a Patreon. And uh, if you guys like what you're <laughs> yeah. hearing as much as I like talking to them, follow. Oh, yeah, where can we? Where, I forgot to get the plugs in. We should oh, get yeah. the plugs in. Where can we find more? Yarn podcast and maybe your uh, social media. If people yeah. want to get involved. You, can people submit stories to you or yeah, like yeah. personal anecdotes? Because yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us how, how they can get involved. I think it would be if you just go to our website yarnpodcast.com um, and we actually have a, a section on there where we kind of detail that. We're like, if anyone has a story, I need a 
um, they want to read one out themselves or they want us to do it or they want to collaborate on it man we're up for all of that it's like we're up for this being like more of a collective yeah than, uh, like, that's awesome I think you guys have started something amazing and your stories and your your work with histories is, fan, is, is fantastic but that would be really exciting to yeah. see you guys become the David Sedaris's the Ira Glasses uh, with that great rich Irish voice yeah. and uh, you know curate your because you, just when you guys read or talk it just you have such great voices for this and I love the stories that you've shared but I think it's cool that you might pull other people in yeah I mean that's good it's, all, it's win-win for everyone because yeah. we get more content out yeah and we definitely realize that like if you don't put something out on a regular basis people start to forget about you that's true so the more the more contributors we have because we're not doing this full time the more yeah. regular it will become so yeah well hopefully you know if you build it they will come um, so yeah. follow them at yarnpodcast.com and are you guys on twitter or facebook the uh, audience can we're, look co- we're yarn story pod on twitter and we're on we're on all the major podcasting platforms so just search yarn and you'll, you'll, you'll get it great well this has been a lot of fun and, <clears throat> and guys thank you so much for coming in and I'm really excited for you here at ITV Fest and best of luck uh, for the uh, for the competition so cool, yeah. knock on wood thanks a lot Kevin thank you and uh, signing off this has been Kevin Harrington and thank you for listening so the last day of the festival came we went to the uh, the big awards gala. Hey there, it's Joy, and I'm live here on the red carpet here at ITV Fest. And our first person on the red carpet, hi, come on up. I'm coming. <laughs> hi, hi, tell me who you are, where you're from. Joan Barrett from... Audio gets a bit ropey at this point. It was very windy, and we're very unprofessional. So excuse the sound quality on this little piece. In fact, throughout the whole episode, you might notice a lot of discrepancies <laughs> in sound. This is a shortcoming that we wish to address. Tell us what just happened there. Well, John, we just arrived at the Maple Street School here in Manchester, Vermont, for the awards gala of the ITV Fest, which is taking place on a 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we were ushered around the pathway along with a whole queue of people, or a line of people, as they'd say here. And uh, we were then, um, what is it, filtered through a red carpet to be interviewed by a reporter called Joy. Joy. And it's really weird experience. And we had about two minutes to prepare for it. But it's probably probably better that we didn't have time to prepare for it. And then she asked us questions and we answered them. it was just a bit surreal, John. I think. We How think, did you feel about it? I thought it was very weird. Uh, yeah. I feel. I think we're the furthest, per, the furthest travelers to this thing. I think we heard. Definitely. I don't know. Is that like good or bad? I think everybody who hears we're from Ireland is part of them is like, oh wow, that's cool, and the other part is like, what the fuck are they doing here? Yeah. But anyway, here we are. They're, they're going to watch out for us at the bar, I think that's what you said. Exactly. Yeah, of course, they had to get those little alcoholic jibes in. I resent that and going to decided not to drink for the day to show them that Irish people can be sober as well. She might have just meant we're charming there. Well, maybe. How's it going? How you and doing? After you right? the red carpet, we went inside. We took our seats and then the ceremony kicked off. Uh, winners were announced and there was a lot of, a lot of heartfelt um, acceptance speeches, I think you remember. 
there where Americans are just naturally good at getting awards. And then our category, best podcast, was announced. Uh, Derek, what just happened? So we, so yeah, we won the award. <laughs> we won the award, <laughs> and we had to go up. At, we had to go up on stage in front of like, is it, is it about a thousand people there? Yeah, I don't know. They're all shouting, and they. I, I really doubt many of them have listened to our podcast, but. I doubt many of them knew there was a podcast category. I don't think the people announcing it knew there was one, to be honest. But we're grateful. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, okay. It's all very weird, very bizarre. All I had to say was I'm from Ireland, and that got a really good reaction. That's um, usually... What else did I say? I think you said... You think thanks, thanks to Kevin. I, I thanked Kevin. I'm ha- happy about You said about you, that. it was great to be in Vermont. I got some Irish in there. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, guys. Thank hey, you very much, man. Yeah, yeah. We, we met the winner. You did. Yeah, I did. don't know, yeah, I don't know what to Are say. You doing Are you okay being recorded right now? Yeah, no, right? I'm okay. That's we just recorded. I, I just was like, I'm like, oh my God, no, that's a mic. That's a mic. Who are we talking to right now, then? We're, We're talking to Jack Conrath, uh, a person who was nominated for the best dramatic script okay. and uh, didn't win, but it's okay. That's all right. Well, it's just an honor being nominated. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel our acceptance speech? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> that's I all thought, we're worried about. No, I, I think, I think it, I, right, exactly. It really did seem like it genuinely took you by uh, surprise. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm just glad that you guys are doing good work and you continue to do it. Yeah, yeah thanks cool. a lot. Continue yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, I think you really got the whole crowd riling when you said something about Ireland. You said, we came here all the way from Ireland and everybody just like, oh the my crowd God. erupted. Yeah. Like, it was like, yeah, he came all this way, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, you're, you're infectious. Everything that happened was infectious. Good. Uh, Where's the after party, man? Where are you going next? Uh, you partying all night I'm or what are you doing? I'm assuming that it's going to, the after party's at Seasons. I'm not sure though. Oh, yeah, right. Did you hear about the secret Irish pub that was mentioned there yes we have you been to that it is before? I think it's what is it it's called Seamus O'Dowins that sounds something? perfect uh, I think that have I you just, been there before you haven't no, been there yourself no I did not they, they weren't letting people in unless you had the red, ba- red badge shit okay. we have the red badge we have the red badge you also have I got it we can do so this is this is the award it's very heavy isn't it it is and you put that in your bag did you I did, yeah, I did. Uh, Thanks for doing that. Eh? They probably the airline probably charged me extra for it, <laughs> but it's worth it because everybody knows that the heavier an award, the more it means. I've heard that. Yeah, it doesn't actually say our names on it. This has been a story for yarnpodcast.com.